Welcome to episode number 41 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Molly Sullivan, who is the owner of Miss Molly's Cafe and Pastry Shop in my hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And in this episode, we discuss how to launch and grow a restaurant. I've always kind of been curious about this, and so I was excited to talk to Molly, get the ins and outs of financing a restaurant, and also how you get staffing, how you get the word out about it. All of those details are discussed, the ups and downs of the whole entire process, including how she had to go to multiple locations to finally actually get her restaurant and had to pitch so many different banks and financing institutions to get the financing to actually open this restaurant. She has a ton of experience in the industry and initially started with pastries and as a pastry chef and eventually launched her own business on the side as a side hustle. And now in 2017, she launched this physical actually retail location restaurant and has ambitions of doing much, much more of which we discuss in this episode. As always, the show notes are at jessicogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show in iTunes. Leave a rating and review and subscribe in iTunes. Just search Just Go Grind, or if you're on your phone, scroll to the bottom of this episode. You can write a rating and review. Would much so appreciate that. Without further ado, here is Molly Sullivan from Miss Molly's. Molly, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to talk with you. And I've always kind of wondered about having a business that has a physical location and the ups and downs and challenges associated with that. So I definitely wanted to talk to you about that. But first, I wanted to get into kind of a little bit about your background and the places you worked before you started Miss Molly's Cafe and Pastry Shop. Sure. So where were some of those uh, other places you had worked at? Well, I have worked in restaurants since high school. So it's actually the only job I've ever had in one <laughs> form or the other, whether it's serving, bartending, cooking. So it's been a while. But uh, as a pastry chef, I went to culinary school in Minneapolis. So I had my first official baking jobs there. Okay. The first place I got hired was called the Birchwood Cafe, which is this little neighborhood. Well, not little anymore, really. They've expanded <laughs> a lot. But it's just true neighborhood type of place that makes all their food from scratch and uses a lot of sustainable and really promotes organic and local. And that was kind of my mecca. I was so <laughs> excited to have been hired there because that those are all the kinds of things that I believe in with our food system, et cetera. So it was kind of cool to really kick off my career at a place that I believed in so much. Yeah. And I kind of carried forward through all the places that I worked at from that point forward. Okay. Well, that's again, no worries. So was that the place that you knew right away that you wanted to work at, like after school? Yeah. I I honestly don't remember how I found out about it, but <laughs> I I think I probably was just researching that kind of place and it came up and that was kind of it for me. I was like, this is the type of place I want to work in, the type of place I want to someday own. So it kind of set the bar for me of the type of environment I wanted to be in, in the workplace. Going into that experience then, you had obviously some expectations in terms of what it would be. And then you worked there. Did it live up to what you kind of were expecting from that place? Yeah, I think... I knew that going into food service was going to be tough. I think that's something that people (laughs) don't always know or realize when they go in or down this career path. Uh, So I knew it was going to be hard work. I did not realize how hot it was going to (laughs) be. Wait, what? (laughs) Like always so hot in restaurant kitchens. And that is something I did not know. Um, that's something you have to get, you have to adjust to every summer is how hot it is, but, um, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy, but I think it was a great experience for me to really see the operations of a business that has strong ethical values behind what they do. They're not just making food to sell it. There's a larger purpose behind what they're doing. 
so that was a cool experience for me to be able to see that and work in that environment. Yeah, that's awesome. And then where did you end up going from there? Well, I spent a few tourist seasons on and off working in Door County, Wisconsin. Oh, so nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gorgeous. So yes. it's, you know, a tourist town. So they have seasons where they have people working there through, through the summer and partially through the fall. So I spent a few summers working up there. And then from there, I wound up one year in the off season, moving out to Seattle with a friend, which was also an incredible experience for me. I've always wanted to live on the West Coast. So it was kind of like, I was only there for seven or eight months, but it was this little kind of vacation from living in the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. A little break from the Midwest. I think a lot of people, it seems like they end up staying in the Midwest. If they're from the Midwest, I've no, I've noticed that at least among my my yeah. friends, there's very few of us who have gotten out and kind of stayed you know, out for a yeah. bit. But, you always get reeled yeah. back in somehow. <laughs> somehow, yeah. there's still hope. Maybe I end up there, but I think West Coast is worse. Yeah. <laughs> I also saw like just looking through kind of your your resume and everything. Like you worked at Braze. Once you got back to Milwaukee, so after Seattle, is it, were you in Milwaukee right after Seattle? I or? went back to Door County one more season. I worked for my friend up there. She owns a coffee shop and which was also a cool thing for me to work for a young female entrepreneur who was just hustling and making her business work. And she was definitely an inspiration for me. So I wound up going and back to Door County and working for her for another season and then came down to Milwaukee at that point because I was kind of tired of doing the whole season to season thing and moving around and just decided... I'm going to start this business. I got to, I want to start doing it. So I knew that ultimately I was going to wind back up in Milwaukee because I'm close with my family and just couldn't really see myself settling down somewhere without them there. So yeah, I moved back here. And at that point was when I was hired at Braze. Awesome. And I want to just ask real quick, with working for the, the friend in Door County who had their the coffee shop, you mentioned she like hustling and like, what were, what did you learn during that, that experience, that few months there? Well, I think being an observer of, of her was kind of eye-opening for me in that you have to work so hard if you own a business. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you're the one there in the morning opening, you're the one there closing because no one cares as much as you care. And if it's gonna do well, then you're the person who has to make that happen. And she just hustled so hard every day. I mean, she'd be there, you know, 4am. And if the there needed to be stuff done after she closed, she'd be there until 6 or 7pm. And that's just what she did. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, it's so, it was so admirable to, for me to see. And also in, for some strange reason, I was like, I want to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. So that's such a cool experience to have that, to be able to see the hustle, see the grind, especially if you haven't been in it yourself yet to experience someone else working so hard to make their dream a reality. And then I know you mentioned that you went, then you eventually went to Braze to work at Braze and that was a pastry chef role there, Correct. right? Yeah. What was that? Well, like? it was kind of the same thing for me when I got hired at the Birchwood of this place that had all these, you know, ideals behind their food. And it was kind of the same getting hired at Braze. I was really happy to be there because the whole business is founded on sustainability and local economy and local produce, local farms, all of that. So I was super excited to be a part of that. And I was hired on just a few months after they opened. So I really was given this opportunity to make my role kind of make it up in a way. I got my hands involved with a lot of different aspects of the business, not just desserts, but that was originally why I was hired for their pastry chef. So I got a lot of creative freedom in that role and really was able to kind of figure out my working style in that role. And also, like I said, I was, I wound up learning a lot about other aspects of the business too, because I was part of kind of part of building it up from the beginning. 
Yeah. And I remember having so many, like being from Milwaukee and, and I used to be a personal trainer in Milwaukee. There were so many of my clients who ever had mentioned Braze, actually. I remember hearing that. So when I saw it in your resume, I was like, oh, you worked there. That's yeah. that's awesome. Because that seemed like such a cool place yeah. to be. Yeah. A cool restaurant it was a to great go to. Experience yeah. For me, it, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And along this, this whole journey, the reason I like to get a little bit of backstory is because especially for entrepreneurs trying to think of what business to start and what, you know, some people may have an idea of what that business is or whatever, and others may more so fall into it based on what you're interested in. And I'm curious as to when the pastry started for you, like, I think it was parties that you mentioned, maybe like when did that start? So when I went to culinary school in 2009, I kind of set out to open my own cafe. That's just what I, I wanted to do. I went to undergrad. I have a degree in sociology and thought that I would go to grad school for social work or something along those lines. And then ultimately <laughs> wound up doing this instead. <laughs> well, different. Yeah. So I went to culinary school with the intention of I'm going to open a cafe. I'm not sure how that's done or how I'm going to do it, but that's going to be my goal. And that was kind of the starting point. And then when I moved back to Milwaukee in 2012 or 2011, I started my business on the side just to kind of get my foot in the door of owning a business and starting the path of how to figure that out. And without taking some huge financial risk or anything like that, I just kind of dipped my toe in first by doing this business on the side. Yeah, I think it's very important to mention that because especially anyone thinking of starting something, like it doesn't have to be a diving in full to to make something happen. And you know, some cases it is where you really need to just kind of quit the job and go for it. But other cases you can start something on the side, make progress and go from there. And so knowing that you wanted to start this and you started on the side, like what were some of those first things you did to either get clients and like kind of get the business rolling on the side? Yeah. So I my brother conveniently happens to be a web designer. So he he owns his own business as well in St. Louis doing web development and branding and things like that. So he helped me design this amazing website and logo and and all that. So I kind of had a a leg up in that department. Um, So he helped me do that. And I had to, with, with any kind of food, commercial food business, you have to work out of a commercial kitchen so that was kind of my first hurdle was finding a commercial kitchen to rent space from. So I just emailed different restaurants in the area that were only open during the day so that I would potentially be able to rent out their kitchen at nighttime when they're closed. So oh. one, so that's kind of few and far between that those businesses exist. And uh, <laughs> I luckily came across this cafe in Milwaukee called The National, which at the time was owned by Nell Benton. She's been a huge role model for me, but she's, she's, you know, a younger female entrepreneur. And she was like, Hey, could I rent kitchen space from you? And she was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) So she was just kind of of the mindset of paying it forward. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, I want to help other women do the same thing and which was really cool for me to find her and kind of get connected with her and ever since then I'll just text her questions about the business and she'll she's kind of like my go-to guru stuff yeah that's awesome that is so awesome and yeah I feel like everyone needs some type of mentor or guru someone to get help from especially when you don't really know what to do yeah, in the beginning. Exactly. Right? You have, it seems you such have no a... idea and you're just step by step trying to just figure it out. That's that's the been the entire process of this is just step by step. I'm like, okay, what do I do next? And the best resource for that is talking to people who've already done it. So I've definitely tried to take yeah. advantage of picking people's brains on stuff related to what I'm doing. Yeah. And to that point, how did you approach that? Like, how often did you try to talk to people or meet up with them and get coffee with them or figure this, this thing out? Like, how did you approach that? So in the beginning, I don't really remember who told me to do this, but someone told me that I should reach out to as many business owners as I can who are doing what I want to do. So that's what I did. I emailed different restaurants in Milwaukee that I 
loved and different cafes and was just said, you know, if you'd be willing to meet with me, I'd love to ask you some questions about how you started your business and what are the challenges? What do I need to do to be able to do what you're doing, yeah. basically? <laughs> so got, I got some good meetings with some people that really are just so humble and willing to help. And that's something that I that I really have taken away from this whole experience of building this business is people are willing to help you and without concern. So that kind of gave me a foot in the door with that. And I, another businesswoman who helped me a lot was the owner of Purple Door Ice Cream. They've uh, started just this small, tiny company. And now they, I mean, they're huge. They're, I don't know, figures wise, but they're just this huge company in the Milwaukee area. And she told me to take this business plan class through this local women's organization. And that was another step I took to really start this path of building a business because you can't start a business without a business plan. That was definitely drilled into my head in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> yeah. And with that, I mean, I, I know Purple Door Ice Cream as well in terms of having been in Milwaukee and been like, oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> so, so, <Yeah. laughs> so, so good. But the business plan, so what aspects of that was, was helpful? Just kind of mapping out your whole idea or like what exactly was it for you? Yeah, I mean, it, writing a business plan makes you just think so critically about your step-by-step action of what you're planning on doing and really forces you to understand to the best of your ability the financials behind your idea. And if you don't understand the financials, I mean, you're not going to be successful. Right, it's not going to be a good business. <laughs> Yeah. So, and that's something that, I mean, I, I just became obsessive about my business plan. I would go to work at Bray's, you know, I worked there full time at nighttime. I would just work on my business plan that it, it kind of just became a hobby and it was exciting because, yes. you know, you're writing about this dream that you have and, and to under, to, every step of the way is just another piece of the puzzle where you're like, okay, yeah, that's right. I need money for that. Or I need to allocate funds for this or, oh yeah, I didn't think about payroll for this type of position. And you're just piecing this thing together. And I mean, I worked on my plan for years and I I still, I mean, I still do. (laughs) It's still kind of like a working document in a way that is so helpful. How in depth is this, is your business plan at this point? I'm just curious. Well, (laughs) my business plan, when I was kind of ready to go for it and ready to really start seriously looking for funding was somewhere around 60 pages. And I took it to this business development center through the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And my advisor there was like, this is you need to cut this down by half. No one's going to read all this. <laughs> I was so taken aback. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, this is my life's masterpiece. Right. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean I have to cut it back? But I, I totally understand now, you know, having gone through the loan process and all of that, of course you need to know what you're talking about and it, you need to have the verbiage in there to explain your ideas. But Really, what matters is the financial tables in the business plan. That's what the banks look at. That's what's important. Not describing, you know, in detailed adjectives, all of your menu items. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially because, yeah, they're investing money is what they're going to eventually be doing. They want to know, like, well, let's check out. And they also probably were looking at a fair amount of other proposals potentially, too. Right, exactly. So you had 60 pages. You had to cut that down because of that. And you mentioned the financing side of it. So someone wants to start, you know, a physical business, like an actual retail store or something, like, or a restaurant. What What is that like trying to get the funds secured for that and like that whole process? Because I, I have no idea. And I'm sure other people who are trying to start something are also curious, like what, what happens for that process? <laughs> well, you have to be really thick skinned, I think to go through <laughs> that process. Uh, especially, I mean, I, I can only speak to my business and my industry, but 
opening a brick and mortar location is very, very difficult because there's so much risk involved. And there's, especially for a restaurant, there's just such extreme overhead costs yeah. that, yeah. you know, it's not like a tech startup or a online company or something like that where you're going to, you know, investors are going to be coming to you or there's not, you don't need to buy tables and chairs and things like that <laughs> for, for a restaurant. I mean, you're, you have to just buy so much stuff and which means you need a lot of money. You need a lot of startup funds. And for a restaurant, the profit margin is usually pretty small. So there's a lot of room for risk and failure. So it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not the greatest investment opportunity for a lot of people. That's just yeah. how they view it. Yeah. So to get that loan or that financing, you have to just really know what you're talking about and you have to be sure of yourself and you have to kind of sell yourself in a way that you know what you're doing and you're passionate about it. And that's what matters. And you have to just prove that to whoever you're trying to get money from. <laughs> yeah. And was it a process where it was, I mean, I guess, how long did that take for you to actually secure the financing? Just curious. Well, I don't even know how many <laughs> times. <laughs> I tried three separate times for sure with three separate locations to open my cafe. And within those three separate times, I had to go back and apply for financing probably 12 to 15 times. Wow. And I kept getting rejected. <laughs> you tried three different locations you're trying to get and then financing for each one because you're obviously, okay, didn't get that one. Next one, see how much this costs. Like that type of process, basically? Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The first two locations, I just couldn't get the financing for it. And part of it is because I was trying to purchase a building. I mean, it's it's a whole different thing when you need the capital to raise funds for that. But it's just extremely difficult to get traditional financing from a bank. I tried through different, I mean, the, the probably the best way to go is through the SBA and get an SBA backed loan, which is what I wound up doing. Uh, but even that, I mean, the it's just very hard to get those startup funds. Yeah. So you have to, you know, you have to have the credibility of it first. I mean, I, you know, I have the experience in my industry. Bankers are of a different mindset than entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> yes. kind of way of viewing the world. So like I said, you have to kind of sell yourself. Yeah. And, and to the point of like, obviously selling yourself, you had industry experience, but like in terms of business, that was a side as you were you know, catering and everything, like how much traction did you have there? before you were kind of approaching this physical location, getting financing and all of that? Like how many, like how much traction did you have? So for my side business, I think that I was in business for about four years before I decided to try and open a retail location. And within those four years, I mean, the first year I, I did maybe one or two weddings and then just, you know, made birthday cakes for family, friends and things like that. And by the time I was looking to open my own place. I was doing over 50 weddings Whoa. <laughs> in summer and working I hundred hour weeks between my full-time job and my side job, which wasn't really a side job anymore, but it's like two full-time jobs. It was, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was really intense for a while <laughs> and still is, but the one thing that was frustrating for me in that process too was that these bankers or you know loan bodies of different organizations would tell me that I'm a startup and you know we don't really it's hard for startups to get loans and we don't really do startups but I'm like well I started this business four years ago I'm not a startup I this is the why I started the business on the side so I could learn how to run a business and I've proven over four years that I can be profitable and I've grown the business over a hundred percent each year, but still in their minds because it wasn't a brick and mortar location, it was still a startup. And that was so frustrating for me is like, what 
else was I supposed to do? Right, right. Like, what <laughs> I've, been working, you know, I've been working in all my free time to build this business to be able to show that I know how to run a business. And then they're telling me, oh, well, no, you're really a startup. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so that is, that's incredibly frustrating. But you did eventually get, you said Small Business Association, I assume. Yeah, SBA, you said loan. Uh, yeah. Take me through that when you finally got that loan. I mean, it was so exhilarating. <laughs> I've been working so hard at this goal. And I mean, I'm, I would say I'm pretty young on the spectrum of restaurant owners. So I think there was a lot of doubt about me and kind of pulling this off. And people kind of viewed me as, you know, not as, I can't think of the word, just seasoned experience. I Maybe I don't know what that would yeah, be. Yeah, I guess so. Typical, and, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it was just, it's what I wanted to do and I was just going to do it. And I wanted to own a restaurant by a certain age because I just wanted to. I wanted <laughs> to just get it going. So then I can move on from there and build it to be bigger, et cetera. But anyways, when I first... When I got the loan, I mean, I had tried so many times, like I said. And then when the bank called me and said, we approved your loan, I just, I mean, I couldn't. I, just, I was like jumping up and down in my living room. I, was, I couldn't yes. believe it. Yeah, it was, it was, I'll never forget that that's, moment. That's amazing. That's incredibly exciting. Like I can only imagine how that would be like finally get the financing after so many attempts of yeah, different locations and also so many tries to finally get the loan. Do you, do you think there was anything different about like going through them and getting that loan than the other applications or places you had, you had been like anything different about that as to how you got it? Well, I don't know for certain, but the bank that I wound up working with, it was the only female bank officer that I had come into contact with. Really? And I think that there's something to be said about that. And my struggles as a young female in a room with a contractor, a building owner, a banker, they're, and they're all, you know, 45, 50 plus year old men. Yep. And then there's <laughs> me in my 20s and I'm just saying, yeah, I'm going to open this business. And there's something different, at least in my opinion, when you're talking with a woman about that kind of thing, because she understands a little bit more than a man does and yeah. oh, for uh, sure. what, it, what's, what it's like in that to be a woman in that environment. And I also had another business vouch for me for with this bank. They they vouched for my my business, which I think helped too. It was another small business that were they were like, yeah, she's she knows what she's doing. That's awesome. So, yeah, so it's like those personal connections, you know. And I know the the banker had said after she gave me, you know, she approved me for the loan. She said she has been doing small business loans for over twenty five years, and she's kind of learned how to read people and who will succeed and who will fail. So apparently she, <laughs> she believed that I would succeed. <laughs> That's awesome. And that, yeah, finally paid off and finding the right people is so critical. And it's great that you had someone in your corner to kind of help you and vouch for you. But I think everyone needs that in some capacity, whether it be getting a loan or just growing the business in general. I want to hear about, and I want to dig into the details of your business, but I also want to let you explain, like, what do you currently do today? What is the business today? What do you currently do? And then I want to dive into some more business details. Sure. Well, the cafe is cafe and pastry shop, which is what I always wanted it to be. I wanted to do food and desserts. I never wanted to just own a bakery. So we have a breakfast and lunch menu that rotates seasonally. Then we also have a pretty extensive bakery display. And then we have a full espresso bar, coffee. We also do events at nighttime. So our cafe, we close at 3 p.m. And then people are able to rent out the space at nighttime for parties or bridal showers, baby showers, things like that. So we have a separate catering menu for that and wine and beer. And then we also, I've continued to do the pastry catering 
with weddings. So we cater weddings all the time. We have multiple weddings almost every weekend during the summer that we still do. So it's kind of multifaceted. We kind of do a lot and <laughs> in a very small space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how did you decide that to do, you know, open till three and then do events in the evening? Did you always know that that's what it was going to be? Yeah, the events were kind of a add-on. It wasn't necessarily in the plan, but our space is well acclimated to that kind of party. It's just a really kind of, in my opinion, a very cozy, warm environment. So people kind of approached us about it, and then we decided to really just roll with it. And I have I have literally a catering and events manager on staff because we do so many events and catering. <laughs> How many events do you say you do like a month, roughly? Well, it kind of depends seasonally, but we'll do right now maybe five or six a month. And then during the summertime, maybe more. But what's really kind of taken off too is our catering, which has been a surprise. It was not at all something that I thought we would be doing more of. We do like the medical college is right down the street. So we'll do catered breakfasts for them and things like that. It, um, it's been kind of a nice surprise. I didn't realize that would be something we'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice little, little bonus on top of that. And, and yeah. with that, I mean, like going back to the beginning of the physical space and everything, like how long did that take? Once you had the location, you chose the location, you finally got the, the financing for it, like until you were up and running, actually, how long was that? It was about two years ago, almost to the day that I drove by the space and saw it was for rent. So I immediately just kind of went for it. <laughs> so I <laughs> called the number that was in the window and then called a couple of banks that I had already tried getting loans from. So I started that process two years ago, February, and then got denied from those banks, of course, and then wound up with this third bank. And the loan was approved in March. So it, it really went pretty fast, but I had, you know, I had already had my business plan in place. I just had to kind of tweak the numbers for the specific location. And so I had the bulk of the legwork done already. And then the loan was approved in March. I took over the lease in April and then we opened in July. So wow. it was a pretty fast turnover. <laughs> that is quite well. It's incentive, right? Yeah. To get it up and running too once you're paying for it. Yeah, exactly. You have a certain <laughs> amount of working capital that you kind of build into your loan. Is like, okay, this is how I, how long I think this is going to take, and then once that money runs out, it's like, well, we need we need revenue because now I have to pay rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To actually pay rent every month, like, yeah, we need to be making money now as soon as possible. Right. <laughs> Goodness. And and so you already had the business plan. So you pretty much, I assume, kind of knew like the menu, the layout, the price, the offerings, like all that stuff beforehand, right? Yeah. Okay. And then so once you found that space, you say you just had to tweak like things in terms of like the layout of the space and the kitchen and like all of that as well? Yeah. Well, the space, I was lucky to have found a space that had previously been a restaurant because there's a lot of overhead that goes into building out a restaurant, but a lot of that infrastructure was already there. So the things that we wound up changing were mostly just aesthetic. So painting and changing out some of the facades of things. So that's also a reason why it was such a fast turnaround. Yeah. And then had to get, you know, equipment specific to my business the place had formerly been a Thai restaurant. So there was like a four foot walk in the kitchen. <laughs> so I definitely didn't need that. So I, you know, I got rid of that and got the ovens installed that I needed, but it really was kind of a turnkey situation in respect as far as restaurants go. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's really convenient. And then, and to that point too, like with growing obviously this restaurant and everything, you need people to staff in and team and everything. How did you approach that? So finding the right people to staff it and then to be like on your team, I guess, for growing this business. I think staffing in the beginning was probably the number one challenge. I started, I opened the restaurant with two people I had previously worked with 
One came on as our general manager and one as our chef. And two weeks into it, our chef, it didn't work out with him. (laughs) And he wound up just leaving two weeks after we opened, which obviously was through a huge wrench in my plan. (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, after the monumental task of opening this cafe, then had to kind of scramble to replace my most important employee. (laughs) Making all the food. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, everything works out the way it's supposed to, I believe. And then somehow wound up hiring on this most amazing chef. When he left, she kind of just through happenstance came to be at the cafe and she has, she's here now and she's awesome. <laughs> but just, <laughs> but that, that beginning of it was a struggle and just learning how to be a boss in that role was also just a huge learning curve for me. I've been, you know, I've managed people before in my specific department, but never you know, on the level of managing all these different subsets of of the restaurant and paying attention to all the details of all that, that was a huge learning curve. And staffing the right people to help me do that took pr- took pretty much a a year to kind of even out things and find the right fit for people. And that first year was tumultuous <laughs> with staffing. But we're, I feel pretty good with where we're at now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that's so important in any business, having the right staffing and people on the team. And it seems like such a challenge. It's like, it can be so daunting. I imagine I've never had to really hire uh, people for that type of thing. I have like an assistant helping with the podcast actually, but that's it. So, I mean, what's helped you along the way in terms of managing people? And has there been anything that's been super helpful for you? Well, I think my job just prior to opening the cafe, I worked for a larger restaurant group in Milwaukee who they owned a few restaurants and they really spent a lot of time and put a lot of care into training their management team. And that was a really valuable experience for me to really learn on a systemic level of how to manage and how to interact with the people who work under you. Yeah. So that was a really great experience for me. I was only, I wasn't even there for a year because I wound up opening this place, but that was huge. And then just, I think just learning by experience. I mean, really it's something you can't really, I think be taught in a lot of ways. You just have to learn for yourself and be open to it. I mean, that's, I think something I, I, think I'm good at is listening to other people and valuing their opinions because I don't know everything and I don't some of my employees are going to know that aspect of the business better than I am so hiring for those positions and you know filling in my weaknesses with their strengths yeah and going from 2017 when you launched to today what has been the most helpful things for finding obviously people to come into the restaurant like how have you grown the business since then what are some of the things you've done marketing wise advertising wise to grow the business well i do some paid advertising but not a lot we one of the things that i've heard direct feedback about is we we sponsor our local npr station so okay. wuwm we have they call it sponsorship not advertisement, but we have a ad running on our local NPR station that, you know, it's kind of a similar demographic of people that listen to local, the you know, the news on NPR that would come into our restaurant and people say, oh, hey, I heard you on WUWM. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that yes, I mean, kind of like direct feedback, but a lot of it is, I think, word of mouth and just being in the community. We donate a lot of stuff to various organizations and schools. Like, you know, when they have auctions and fundraisers and things like that, we'll donate 
desserts or a gift card, things like that, where we're engaging with the community. And I think people value that. And we value that too, because we're a small business. And I mean, something I tell every employee when they start here is that it's an expectation of you to engage with our customers. And we have regulars that come in here multiple times a week. It's an expectation that you know their names because small business doesn't succeed without the people who come and patron you. I mean, just that's, you know, it's, that's just a fact. So we need to be engaged with the community and that's what this whole place is about. It's a neighborhood place. It's a place for people to feel welcome and to feel a part of the community. And so I think that's a huge part of it. It's kind of simple, but (laughs) (laughs) simple, but not always easy necessarily. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So a lot of community events, a lot of sponsoring some things. You said uh, NPR as well. Is there anything else you're kind of doing to get the word out? We do marketing for our kind of our wedding and catering aspect of things through some local publications. But other than that, I mean, you know, your typical social media, Instagram, Facebook, that stuff. But not really is in terms of paid advertising or anything like that. Yeah. And there's always obviously so many different channels and ways to reach customers and grow. And there's only so much time in a day, which is kind of actually leading me to the next question I want to ask you is, how are you spending your time, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month as you're kind of running this business? It has changed so much. <laughs> I mean, it changes. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it changes day to day what my role is. You know, when we first opened, I was our full time baker and also running the business and getting it going. So I would be working 18, 20 hour days in the first month or two. And then it's kind of been a slow progression of hiring on people take over those roles. So now, you know, I'm working in the office. We have an office up above the cafe. So I'm able finally, after (laughs) a year and a half to really, I can step out of the cafe day-to-day production or, you know, day-to-day operations and focus on kind of the bigger ideas and driving the business forward. And I mean, that's honestly only within the last month has that happened. You know, on some days when someone calls in sick or our chef was on maternity leave for a while, then I became the chef or I'm the line cook. Some the days that my baker is not here, I do the bakery and I wash dishes. I mean, I, I spent probably most of last winter just washing dishes because that was the void that needed to be filled and I was there. So I filled it. So, yeah, you know, it's like you have to just be open to do whatever needs to be done to make the business succeed. And that's kind of, you know, the first year or so was just kind of all hands on deck. We got to make this place stay. (laughs) And, you know, and now, you know, I think we're here when we're, we're stable and we're doing well. It's kind of a new role for me actually now to be like, okay, now what? Now where, where are we going and how am I going to get us there? Yeah. And that's actually what I want to ask. Like, what, what is the vision moving forward now? Well, I mean, I say this now, I mean, my, my ideas kind of change all the time, but. You're not sure what happens. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For now, I would love to see three or four Miss Molly's locations uh, throughout the Milwaukee area. And then from there, who knows? But I think, you know, three or four would be great because economies of scale, it would just, we would make, you know, fairly good money being able to run a bakery production that large and also provide pretty good salaries and employment opportunities for my employees to be able to grow to that scale. Because at a certain point, we're going to max out with where we're currently located. And I want to keep, you know, I want to keep my employees, number one, because they're great. And and then provide opportunities for them to grow and excel in their careers and hopefully do that with my company. Yeah. And knowing that that's the vision, I mean, at what point 
Is it just once you get to the point where you're close to being maxed out, then you're looking for locations? Or are you like looking now? Like, how does it even work? Or how are you going to know, you know yeah. to expand? Like when, when to expand, I guess, is the question. It is definitely kind of a fine balance, but I am, <laughs> I am already looking for location number two. But what I've learned from the first time around, it's, it's a long process and there's a lot of ups and downs and I just have to be patient. And that's something I've definitely learned. I did not grow up as a patient kid. So I've learned <laughs> that is something I've definitely learned in my adulthood. And through this whole process, nothing is just going to happen. I have to have to be patient. <laughs> yeah. And managing the ups and downs you mentioned, like what's been helpful for you to kind of manage that? Obviously you mentioned being patient, but what has been helpful to manage the ups and downs of entrepreneurship? I would definitely just say my family. I mean, this would be, I think, almost impossible to do without a support system. I mean, that's really, <laughs> my mom would just, every step along the way, she would be there to encourage me and help me in whatever way that she could. And then I, well, I recently, I got married a few months ago. So congrats. Thanks. So yeah, my husband also, he met me um, right around the time that I started trying to open my brick and mortar place. So he's kind of seen, <laughs> seen the whole process from the very low points to the high point of finally opening this place. So he, you know, he gets it and they both have been there supporting me and there's no way I could have done it without them. Yeah. People and the support is incredibly important <laughs> just to have that system around you, knowing you can fall back on that. And were there any books, podcasts, audiobooks, conferences, anything that's been helpful, particularly in this kind of entrepreneurial journey of yours? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I read a lot of books to begin with. I mean, some of the the one like the most basic stuff, like how to write a business plan for dummies, <laughs> even <laughs> yes. like that kind of stuff. I mean, just anything you can get your hands on do what you want to do. I mean, I use this business plan program called Live Plan. That was hugely helpful to help me map out and write a business plan. And I took, like I mentioned before, I took that class through a local women's organization. I used the free resources through the Small Dis Business Development Center at the local university. And I just sign up for programs that are available. Like it's kind of amazing how many resources are out there for entrepreneurs, even oh, yeah. in a small city like Milwaukee. I mean, I signed up for a conference last week and I'm going to one in March. And there's just so many free resources to use. And then I'm sure you know of the podcast, How I Built This. I mean, that yes. test <laughs> with that podcast just listening to these people's stories of their struggles and how scrappy some of their stories are. And it's like, yes, I can relate. I know exactly what you're talking about. And just knowing that this is a shared experience, like sometimes, cause sometimes it can feel very lonely and very isolating, but you're like, no, this is what it is. This is the work. This is what it means to be an entrepreneur. And you just constantly have this hope that it's going to work out. Yes. And that's why you put all the work in, right? Because yep. <laughs> that's what you're hoping for the whole time. Yep. You're like, it's going to work out eventually. And knowing that people have made it and obviously have done it, you're just like, all right, have the patience and keep putting in the work, knowing that, you know, eventually this thing is going to keep growing and keep growing and it's all going to be okay. Yep. <laughs> you have to just keep telling yourself that. Exactly. And to some, to some point, I guess, entrepreneurs can be delusional in that regard, but it's a fine line between that, you know, because a lot of people don't start businesses and it's a very difficult thing to do, but you have that faith and that hope and you put in the work to make it happen. You know, I'm curious what you would tell someone who is like actually serious about opening a restaurant, has some skills in that regard, and maybe has a background, at least in restaurants. Like what would you tell them on starting a business or starting a restaurant? I get this question kind of often actually. And I think the most important part of it in my mind is having experience and knowing exactly what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> because I think especially for restaurants, people oftentimes have kind of a glamorous idea or kind of a delusional idea of what 
it means to work in a restaurant or own one. And you have to have the day-to-day hands-on experience to know what you're getting into. Because like I said, it is hard work. It's so hard. It's it's hot. Like I said, if you're a chef, you're working in 110 degree kitchens every day, long hours, and it's stressful, but you have to know what you're getting yourself into and you have to be passionate about it. I mean, that's something that would never waver for me. It was the passion of what I want to do. And I just couldn't see myself doing anything else that this was what I was going to do and I was going to make it happen. So, yeah, I mean, no, it's like you have to understand like the reality of it and also kind of have that fearlessness of I'm just going to go for it. And I and I know that I want want that to happen. It's awesome. Yes. So needed. So, so needed. Where can people go to learn more about the restaurant and everything you're doing, both in Milwaukee and online as well? Well, our website is MissMolly'sCafe.com. So that lists all of our services and kind of what we're about, what we stand for. And uh, I think, you know, our social media, Instagram, Miss Molly's Cafe, uh, we're pretty current on our social media pages. So I guess that would be where to go. Awesome. I will link that up in the show notes as well at justgogrind.com slash podcast. If you're in Milwaukee, check it out. Where exactly in Milwaukee? I've been there, but I don't remember exactly. It's on it 92nd and Center Street in Milwaukee. Perfect. Molly, thank you so much for the time today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash go grind and please please leave a rating and review over on itunes it does help more people find the show hope you enjoy this episode have a great day